Amen. You can have a seat. And as you do, turn to your neighbor and say you're one decision away. Tell your neighbor that. One decision. One, you are one decision from changing everything in your life. That's why the series is called One Decision Away. Because one decision can change it all. But let's acknowledge something. Growing up when we were younger, we didn't get to make a lot of our decisions. A lot of our decisions were made for us when we were young. Like, I didn't, I grew up in a small town, Salem, South Dakota. I didn't choose to grow up there, but that's where I grew up, right? I went to school, I went to elementary school at Salem St. Mary's Catholic grade school for gifted children. Okay, I don't know why you're laughing. I, actually, I did make that up. It wasn't for gifted children. Anybody could go there, you just pay the money. So I went there. Um, I didn't get a pick what I drove going up. Maybe you got to pick what you drove. If you did, you were spoiled, all right? I didn't, okay? It was one car between six kids and my mom. Huge, huge station wagon. Thing was humongous. It's like a mobile home on wheels. It was big. Um, it was so big. Some of you, this is going to be familiar to you. The station wagon that I grew up with, when we went on trips, literally my sister and I would ride way in the back. Not the back, but the backpack, you know what I'm talking about? So the backpack of this station wagon face the other direction, okay? So like you're traveling that way, but you're sitting in the back facing that way. It's awkward, okay? Like the people behind you are looking at you, are like, yeah, I don't know. The face, it just, you know, peekaboo. It just, it just, this is the way it faces. I don't know what to do. Why do they do that? And, uh, but it was great though. When I got the keys to the station wagon, when I did get them, it was, it was, I would pile my friends there. I could fit six friends in the station wagon and the backpack was still empty. You could still fit two kegs back there, okay? Not that I knew that, but you could if you wanted to. I'm just saying, okay, I'm just saying. But as you get older, these decisions that you made, you can make more of them, right? And you start to learn when you get older, when you make choices, you're responsible for the choices. Like, like if you get picked up for speeding, okay? You speed, you could get picked up for speeding right? You're responsible for that. If you date somebody you probably shouldn't be dating, you could get heartbroken, right? If you forget that you have empty kegs in the back of the station wagon and your mom takes the vehicle the next day to work, you could die from that. I'm just saying, it could happen. You're, you're, you're responsible for these choices. Say choice. See, I believe that God wants to do something supernatural in this place today. I was talking to somebody in the Welcome Center and I was so proud of them because everything in them probably didn't want to come but they knew they needed to be here because God had something for, here, for them. You believe God got, got something for you today? You believe, do you believe that God's got something for you today? He's got something for you. I need you to believe that. Here's what I want you to know. Every choice that you make, big and small, will impact your life, will affect your life. Everyone. Every, but, but what so many people don't realize is this. Those decisions that you're making, ultimately, they determine your destination. Okay? Repeat after me. Decisions determine destination. The, the decisions you make today determine your destination. Not intent, not the intentions that you have, right? That's why I was so proud of her for being here, and I'm proud of you for being here, because I believe that when you make the decision to get before the Father, you pray to Him, you hear His Word, you, you surround yourself with others in the community, the body of Christ, it will change your life. It will change your life. But there's a lot of people that had intentions to come to church, right? Well, I'm going to, last night they were like, I can't wait for church. I can't wait to go. They're telling their friends that ain't no grave going to hold me down. They're saying, okay, well, maybe the grave's not going to hold you down, but the bed sheets are sure doing a good job, right? That's what I want to tell them. You should have declared the bed sheets are going to hold you down. Okay? It's cold out, I know, but God's going to bless you for being here. 
He is going to bless you. I'm so excited. One decision away. Today, God is going to help you connect the dots from where you are and where he wants you to be. And how he's going to do that today. See, last week we talked about starting. And it's key that we start some things. But I contend what's more important is this. Say stop. Stop. See, what's crucial, even more than what you start is what you stop. And this is what so many people don't recognize. And this is what God is going to show us today, that stopping. It's like God is going to help you today stop before you make a decision, before you make a choice, and ask yourself, if I make this choice, where am I going to end up? Like, if my decision determines my destination, if I make this choice, I need to stop, I need to pause, and I need to really ask myself that question. Moses, you maybe have heard of Moses, one of the great characters in the Bible, Moses had to do that at a critical time in his ministry, in his purpose. I'll set it up for you. I'll tell you if you brought a Bible or the mobile app or the Bible app, I always want you to do that. Go to Exodus. It's the second book in the Bible. So Exodus 18. And then you can go to the 13th verse as I set this up. So the Israelites are God's chosen people in the Old Testament. Before Jesus ever came to earth as a human, there 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 was a story about the God's chosen Israelite people. They were in bondage for years in Egypt. And Moses, come on, you know the story. Moses, you know, the great deliverer, brought them through the Red Sea, part of the Red Sea, or God did through him, and brought them into uh, this period of wandering. This period of wondering. See, some of you, you're in that period right now. Like, you're, you're wondering about what the future holds for you, what this year holds for you. You're wandering in certain areas of your life, kind of drifting, wondering, this is where the Israelites are at. So they're, they're not in this promised land yet. They're not in slavery. They're in the in-between. See, if you're in the in-between, this is, a good, this is a good day for you to come to church. They're in the in-between, right? Or as my son Jake would say, they're in, the, they're in the upside down, right? That's a whole other thing, right? So they're in the in-between. So as they're in the in-between, something critical happens. This is the story I want to tell you. In Exodus 18, so, so understand that Moses is leading probably Two million people, they say. That's what the estimate is. Two million people. Listen to what this says. In the 13th verse, it says, On the next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. Can you imagine? They waited for him from morning until evening. Have you ever worked customer service? Have you ever, have you ever worked an invoice dispute? Anything like that? I mean, I, I have. I know the brutal task that it is. Not only have I taken inbound calls from people that are ticked about something, I've made outbound calls and ticked people off. That's right. I was a telemarketer at one point in my life. It was college. Don't you look at me like that. I had to make money too. I had telemarketing, so you were calling out to people. I'll never forget my last call. I didn't know it was going to be my last call, but it was after the call was done. Three months into my job. I'm selling credit card insurance, and my, my, I, knew my, I knew my script. I didn't have to read it, look at it. I just knew it. Three months. been doing it three months. And I said, this is Monty calling on behalf of Sears Payment Systems. I said, can you hear me okay? And the woman on the other end said, yeah, I can hear you okay. Real nice. And I said, that's great. Well, last year, so and so many credit cards were lost or stolen, and I'm going to offer you some credit card insurance. And I didn't even get halfway through my script, and she said, Monty? And I said, yeah. Well, she said, can you hear me okay? I said, yeah, you're coming through just fine. She said, you call me again and I'll cut your bleeping throat. That's what she told me. I thought, that's not very Christ-like. What are you talking about, ma'am? I, and I still gave the courtesy clothes. I was still like, thank you so much for your time. You have to go, whatever. So I, I literally hung the phone up, stood up, and just walked out. I was done. It was over. 
So that was my, I, you know what I wish I would have done? And this is, take my pastor hat off and just put on my people hat. I wish I would have wrote her number down, called her that night at three in the morning and said, hey, you changed your mind about that credit card? Insurance? Anyway, so I just, ah, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Anyway, I got off track. So, so Moses is hearing all these disputes from millions of people. Can you imagine? That's what he's doing. This is, his, this is what he's doing. When Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, saw what he was doing, he said this. And some of you lean in. This is one of the most important things that you're going to hear today. Jethro, his father-in-law, asked Moses, listen, what are you really accomplishing here? Like, take a step back. Think about what you're doing, how you're spending your time, and ask yourself, what am I really accomplishing here? It's so key. So, he says, why are you trying to do this all alone while everyone stands here from morning till evening? Moses said, well... This is the people come to me, Jethro. This is what I do. They come for a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, which they do, they come and I, I'm the one who settles it. The quarreling parties, I take care of it. I inform them of God's decrees and I give them his instructions. <laughs> Jethro, I love it. This is key. He says to Moses, this ain't good. What you just said, what you're doing, Moses, this isn't good. Say this isn't good. This isn't good, Jethro says. He says, you're going to wear yourself out, and the people too. This job's too heavy of a burden, Moses, for you to handle by yourself. Listen to me. Let me give you a word of advice, and may God be with you. You should continue to help the people be their rep before God, bringing disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees, Moses, that's cool. Give them his instructions, that's good. Show them how to conduct their lives, that's all right. But select from the people who are capable, honest men who fear God, who hate bribes, appoint them to do it. Them as leaders over the group of thousands and hundreds and fifties and then ten. They should be the ones available to hear all this stuff, solve the common disputes that you're doing. They do that. They will help carry the load, making your task easier. If you follow this advice, Moses, if you follow this advice, Meadows Church, if you follow this advice and if God commands you to do so, then you'll be able to endure the pressures of all these people and all these people will go home in peace. Verse 24, Moses listened. Moses listened to his father-in-law. Maybe the only time in history someone listened to their in-laws. We don't know that for sure. But Moses listened, follow his suggestions. In other words, he stopped. Moses stopped doing what he was doing, how he was doing it. He had to stop. It was critical that he stopped. Moses would have never been used to the capacity that God wanted to use him if he hadn't stopped. He never would have. What if I told you that what you say no to is just as important as what you say yes to? I'll even, I'll up the ante on you. What you say no to, I believe is more important. I believe it with all my heart. What you say no to is more important than what you say yes to. Listen, we literally have the world at our fingertips, don't we? Now more than ever. Like, we have options, we can stay busy, and some of us, we've grown accustomed to certain habits, certain lifestyle, certain things that we've always done. But what if we've done so many of these things, or we've gotten so accustomed to it, that we've literally forgot how to sit and sit still before the Lord, relax before Him. Listen to me. 
God did not create you to say yes to everything. He created you to say yes to the things that matter most. When you do that, you'll be living on purpose for a purpose. That's what you're called to do. You shouldn't say yes to everything. You should say no to most things. You really should. It brings us to the main point. Say no to most things so you can say yes to the best things. I'm going to say it again. Say no. Say no. Say it louder. Say no. No. Say no to most things so you can say yes to the best things. God's got such a... Listen to this. What Moses, if he never would have listened to Jethro, if he never would have stopped... If he would have said, Moses, I appreciate what you're saying, but you know, you're an in-law, whatever. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do my own thing. And he kept hearing the people from morning until night, because that's what it said. Millions of people. There's not much else you're going to do besides customer service. That's it. What if Moses hadn't listened? Do you know the very next thing, if you read this this week, which I hope you do in your Bible time, if you read after what I just read to you, guess where the Israelites, guess their next step. The next step for Moses is at, the, is at the base of Mount Sinai. That's the, next, that's, that's the next phase in this story. You know what he does there? His purpose. You know what Moses' purpose in life was? You know the story. Delivering the Israelites through the Red Sea. We know the story. Getting a word from God. Meeting God face to face and then delivering it to the people. That's what he's literally going to do. Moses' next step after this happened, climbing up a mountain called Sinai, meeting God face to face, getting a word, and bringing it down as the Ten Commandments. That's what he does next. That never happens if he says yes to what he's doing. It never does. He's, he, all he's doing is hearing disputes from millions of people. That's all he'll ever do. If he, if he doesn't say no to most things so he can say yes to the best things, that's how he lived his purpose. We tend to think that more is better. More is not better. You don't need to do more. You need to do more of what matters most. This is the key. See, less is actually more. Less is actually more. I'll show you that. It, it, even as a pastor, I look at Moses in his life as a man of God. You know, I, I study trends. I study leaders. I study God's word, of course. I, I want to know, God, how can we reach as many people as possible in your name? How can we do it? And, and, and I'm telling you, so many churches across our nation and in the world are declining or dying. It's not a secret. You know a common denominator? Not the, whole, not the only thing, but one common denominator that I see is, is the leaders or the pastor, they do it all. Well, I'm the, I got to pray for the people. I got to be the one in the prayer room. I got to be the one, you know, greeting the people. I, I'm going to be on the worship team. Now, we all know that I could be on the worship team, right? You know that. You've heard me, but I got to say no to this. Sarah keeps asking me. I'm like, no, Sarah, I can't. I can. You've heard me sing, but I got to preach. I got to say no to those things so I can say yes to the best things. See, the pastor, my job is to equip you. Did you know that? Like, you're the ministers. My job is just to equip you so you can do the ministry. That's why our life group leaders, they're the pastors of their life group, not me, right? I don't do all the hospital visitations. In fact, I rarely do them because life groups are doing it and other people are doing it right? I'm not the greeting team. I'm out there, but I'm not the greeting team. I love people, but I need to do what I'm called to do. And if I equip people and the leaders in the church equip people, then the bride of Christ is functioning properly. It's so key. So you know what I'm called to do? Three things. Preach and teach. Cast vision, which means I, I cast a vision for us of where God wants to take us. And I develop leaders. I lead leaders. 
So I, I, like, I have a leadership development team that I get to lead monthly. It is awesome. You know what we focus on? We focus on what we're called to do. What are we supposed to do? What, 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 like one time somebody asked me, because just so you, I try to keep to those three things. One time somebody asked me, hey, pastor, can you do our marriage counseling? I kind of laughed. I thought, dude, I'm in marriage counseling. I can't do it. You know, I don't do marriage counseling. I'm in it with you. So, right? Thank God Jody wasn't there with me. She probably would have laughed. But you know what I'm saying, Jody? We, we're in this together. So, I don't do that. I, I equip others to do that. And, and, but, but that's why I think Meadows, the hand of God is on our church. Like we're growing every week. People are coming to Christ. Casey celebrated that every week. Why? Because the peop- you're the ministers. You're loving people. You're inviting people. You pray for people. It's incredible. But this is, this is the beauty. And Moses had to get that. Jethro had to help Moses with that. It was so critical. I wrote down, Jethro knew Moses' leadership was crucial. For, his success of, for the success of Israel. And any activity that drained Moses and wasted his time needed to stop. It had to. If it didn't, he never gets up that mountain. He never meets with the Lord. We never get the Ten Commandments. And who knows where we'd be. I'm telling you, it's so critical. What you say yes to, or what, excuse me, what you say no to is so critical. We're in a... We're in a we are in a time where we're always running so busy. I need to do this. Oh, you're doing that? Well, I need to do that. Oh, your kid's in that? Well, my kid needs to be in that. I need to be there, and I need to do that, and I should, and I should, and I should, and I should, and I should. You end up shooting all over the place, okay? Nobody wants that. Sorry. So, uh, um, shooting all over. Anyway, so, you know what I'm, so I, when, I, when I develop leaders, when I lead leaders, you know what I tell them? I tell them, ask yourself, are, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Are you how did I write it down? Are you investing in the right activities? Are you investing in the right activities? Go back to verse 14. Jethro to Moses. Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? What did he say? What are you really accomplishing here? Ask yourself that question in one of the leadership development. And the, and the people that I get to lead, there's two requirements, or there's really one requirement to be in that group. Like you were serious about growing in your leadership. If you're serious about growing in your leadership, you can be part of that team. Or if you're called into full-time ministry, one or the other. But they're in this, and, and I'm telling you, I showed them a diagram that I, read, that, I, that I found in a book that I read, and it's so telling. Look at this diagram. So you got, you got an energy circle. So many people, their energy... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the one on the left, that's many of us. So we're doing this and we're doing this and we're saying yes to this and we're running here and he's got to be in that because she's in that and I got to go out for that because you know others are doing that and I've got to do this because I see somebody else doing that and we're doing all these things and all those things will never get you to where God wants you to go. They never will. It'll keep you busy. It'll keep you distracted. It'll keep you exhausted. It just won't help you live your purpose. But if you say no, if you stop, doing most things, you can say yes to a few things or one thing, you won't believe what God will do. This is why I love being a purpose-driven church, where if you hone into your purpose, what you're called to do, and you know it and you own it, you'll change the world. You will change the world. But you, it, here's, a, here's, a, here's a formula if you don't want to, a guarantee to not live your purpose, I'll tell you what it is. The, if you never want to live your purpose, do this. It's called the undisciplined pursuit of more. That's, that's how you don't live your purpose. You keep saying yes to all those things. You keep spending your time like other people doing it, doing what other people do, and you're, you're in this circle and you're real busy and you feel like you're making headway, but at the end of the day, it was all busyness. 
And the devil, I told you last week, what's he want to do? He don't really care if you're sinning as long as you're distracted. That's his key, okay? He's not, he's got a lot of people sinning. He's good there. But for, for people, if he can keep you distracted and off your course and off your purpose, he's winning and he knows it. John Maxwell, one of the great leaders of our time, this dude sneezes and he releases a New York Times bestseller. That's how, it's, it's insane, you know? But John Maxwell, you could say this guy, he's a leader of leaders. He's got to be the busiest guy in the world. He ain't. He's not. Here's a quote from him. Check this out. You can't overestimate the unimportance of practically everything. Think about that. This is a guy that has accomplished a tremendous amount in his leadership, writing books, doing seminars, leading others. Amazing amount of, of capacity. And he says, you, you can't overestimate. There's noise everywhere. It's practically all noise. Everything in your life, getting you off your purpose. So critical. Moses, he could have said, I'm doing a good thing. I'm helping him, you know, make up with her. And I'm helping these people get back together. You know, yeah, yeah, that's all good. But is it your purpose? Or can somebody else do that while you do what you're called to do? So key. It's like with the church. I talked about being a pastor. Well, the church, Meadows Church, just over two years old. The ministries that we have today are probably the same ministries we're going to have 20 years from now. It is. I know churches, big churches, small churches, they got more ministries than they do people. Well, we got a ministry for this group of people and this type of people and that demographic and this type. Uh, no, thank you. We have, we, have, we have small groups. We have life groups. And we'll keep growing those. And they'll have, each have their bent and their little thing, depending on the leader and what they're doing. They'll all be studying God's word one way or another. But as for ministries, we've got three ministries that we have now. And I, and I don't believe we'll add another one ever, ever. You know what they are? Divorce care. We have divorce care that starts actually probably in about a month, month and a half. So if you know people that have been divorced or you have been or you've been impacted, it'll be huge. So divorce care. Well, the reason we have that is because divorce impacts a lot of people. It, directly and indirectly. And we want people to know that God does not shut the door on your future because of something that happened in your past. So we're going to help you heal. So divorce care is one of them. Number two, Financial Peace University. We normally do that uh, for sure once a year. We try to do it twice a year incredible ministry. You know why we do it? Because finances are the number one thing that hold people back from their purpose. They're the number one thing that will hold you back from what God has for you, finance. And I know, we know, that if we can help you get set free financially, and you get under the umbrella of what God says, it'll change your life, it'll change your family, it'll change your world. So we do financial peace. Thirdly, celebrate recovery. This is a ministry for people with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Hello! That'd be all of us. So we do that because we, we, we all have those. So celebrate recovery. Th those are the three ministries that we have. Other than that, we do the weekend services with excellence. We do life groups, and that's it. That's it. Well, but as we grow, Pastor, certainly we're going to add. No, we're not. Are you kidding me? That's what, that's what the norm is, but I don't want the norm. I want to focus on what we're called to do. We will do a few things with excellence. A few. We're not called to be other churches. We're not called to do thousands of ministries. Don't know. Thank you. Okay, if you want that ministry, I guess find a church with that. I, we're not it. What I just said is what we're called to do. Guide you to your purpose. Guide you to your purpose. We'll have something called Pathway to Purpose, our discipleship plan that we're putting together this year. That will be key to your purpose. I'm telling you, it won't be a lot of ministries, though. And one thing we will never stop doing is celebrating. 
See, our culture is a culture of celebration because we serve a God that's worthy of celebration. We serve a God that is doing immeasurably more than we can dream or imagine. I told Jody this week, I said, Jody, if I ever get to a point where we don't celebrate and I forget to celebrate what God is doing, I said, I want you to take me and smack me across the face, okay? My concern is she agreed to that before I even finished the sentence, okay? And my second concern was she did it pretty enthusiastically, so whatever, pray for me. So, but we are a church, that always looks less like a funeral and more like a party because we have something to celebrate. So why don't you help me celebrate the fact that even last weekend we baptized our first person for the year at Meadows Church. God is on the move in our church. We'll never stop celebrating what he's doing. We'll never stop celebrating people giving their lives to him. People being set free through him. Marriages being restored. Addictions being broken. People overcoming hurts, habits, hangups, divorce, whatever it is. We won't stop celebrating it. Never. Ever. I love this picture. I love it. You know what that is? A changed life. That is a changed life. Like Casey said, when you invest in the ministry, so many of you give back financially, that's what you're giving to. You ain't keeping the lights on in this, but I care less about a building. That's what I care about. Lives are changing. This is what I love. It, it brought me to Ephesians. I got to read you a couple verses in Ephesians. Um, just listen to this. This is a picture of what I'm talking about. It says in Ephesians 4.21, since you've heard about Jesus and learned the truth that comes from him, throw off, say stop. Stop. Stop your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which corrupted by sin, lust, deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts. It begins in the mind, people. Renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on a new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I love that because it reminds us that the change that you want so badly, it isn't about changing a behavior. This is way bigger than just stopping a bad habit, though that's where it begins. But so many people in this season of a year are like, I need to change this, I need to change that. It's not about behavior modification, okay? It is about a spiritual transformation with Jesus Christ at the center. He has the power to help you change. He does. He can do, you can't do it without him. You can't, but with him, if you will learn to do what Moses did and stop the things you're doing, stop being so busy. What is your thing? You'll see a theme in this series. Say one. One. Last week I said, what's one thing that goes along with what you're called to do? This week is no different, but I'm going to say, what's one thing you need to stop doing? What is one thing and you're going to write it in, or you're going to type it in your, however you want to do it. What is the one thing you need to stop in order to start living out your God-given purpose? One thing. It could be internal. It could be something that you know that is going on inside of you. Maybe nobody else knows. It might be selfishness. And you know that ultimately all your decisions revolve around what you want and what's best for you. It could be greed. It could be pride. It could be anger. It could be a, a, a seed of a bad attitude or a critical heart. And you know that because of that, it's not, it's hindering you and the people that you love. And you're going to stop. And you're going to start something new. It could be something external. Other people can see it in you. You know, so many people, this time of year, of course, we want to eat healthy. We want to get fit. It could be that. Maybe it's eating healthier. 
I mean, it's like when I go to the doctor and he says, listen, don't eat anything fatty. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Bacon, burgers. He's like, no, fatty, don't eat anything. I'm like, dang, it's kind of harsh, you know? So it's, <laughs> I don't know, just pray for me. So um, I, it, what is it for you? It could be a relationship that you're in or the people that you're hanging out with. This, that's external. That, that's something that you know needs to stop. It's something that you know it's not leading you anything towards your purpose. Okay? Stop. It could be another, it could be something else that is a bad habit. Talk about eating unhealthy. Could be smoking. Could be smoking cigars. Cigarettes, vaping. Smoking weed. Some of you are like, well, it's legal in most states. Well, you know what? Smoking Crayola crayons is legal too, but we don't recommend that. So I'm just saying. So I just, what is it that you need to stop? What is it? Maybe it's a need for control. Maybe you know that you're controlling. And you've been told by others. I always say if you've been told by more than one person that you have a problem with something, you, have, you probably have a problem with something. And what is it? <laughs> one of the biggest things I'll tell you, and I'm not perfect, I'll tell you that, you'll hear that. But one of the biggest things that will hold people back is th this, this busyness of like just, just sitting and really doing nothing. And I don't mind relaxing and watching TV once in a while, but we don't watch a lot of it. Because every leader that I know and everybody that makes a huge impact, they don't. And I just want, I want to make an impact before God calls me home. So if you find yourself binging a lot on Disney Plus and Netflix, you're probably not living your purpose. Again, I'm not perfect. I got sucked into Breaking Bad. I did. I don't know how it happened. But it happened. Okay? And I'm not, and, and, I, and if they release another series, I'm going to, or episode, I got I got it, I'm in it too deep. So I'm not perfect, but I'm just saying, if you're doing that a lot, it's, it's, it's not going to, you're not going to get where God wants you to go. Say no to most things so you can say yes to the best things. Say no to most things so you can say yes to the best things. What if Moses wouldn't have stopped? What if he wouldn't have listened to Jethro? What if you don't stop this unhealthy habit? This lifestyle that you're living, this thing that you're doing, play it forward. You know, what did I say? Your decisions determine destination. Play it forward and see how it's going to work out for you. If you keep hanging around those people, where are you going to end up? If you keep, if you keep that habit and you keep doing that, what's going to happen? Keep abusing yourself. If you let others keep abusing you, where, it never gets better by itself, I'll tell you that. It never does. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I get a call. Um, one of my best friends, actually, it was a call from, it was from his wife. And I don't hear from them much, but because, you know, you, you drift and you, you live apart. And she says they're, they're in devastation right now. And she reaches out because she's like, well, you and Jody are still together. And I don't, that's a miracle. She gets it. You know, I'm like, yes, it is. I mean, and she said, I want to know there's hope. You know, because there was unfaithfulness now happened. And they've been married a long time, a long time. And I was, I was shocked. I'm like, you're kidding me. And she says, I need to know there's hope. And I said, you know what? If Jesus is at the center of what you're doing, there's always hope. Always. And I gave her this assurance. And I gave her this love. And she's, she's debating. She's skeptical. She's hurting. And I said, I'm gonna reach, I'll reach out to him because he's, he's the one that I'm connected to. So I reach out to him. And he, what I love about what he said so many people want to deflect. So many people want to just turn a blind eye or pretend it isn't a big deal or put a blanket over or make an excuse. People that make excuses never make a difference, ever, ever. And you know the first thing he said? 
He said, Monty, I really messed up. He didn't use the word mess, but we'll keep it PG-13. He said, I really messed up. And I was like, in my heart, I'm like, okay, you admitted it. And so I'm talking to him and I'm telling him that there's hope for what, you, what, you, what you're in right now. And I said, I'm praying for you. I'm there for you. I'll do whatever I can. I'll never give up on you because people never gave up on me. My wife never gave up on me. My family never gave up on me. My church never gave up on me. My God never gave up on me. So I said, I'm there. So we get done and I kid you not, the next day, I'm, I'm doing laundry in my house because I'm just that kind of a husband, right, Jody? I mean, let's just be honest, okay? So I'm doing laundry. <laughs> anyway, so don't ask her. Um, so I'm, and I get this overwhelming sense that I believe it was the Holy Spirit. And I had this feeling that, there, that, and I kid you not, I don't know how it was other than the Spirit just telling me that their situation, because I was praying for them. And I had this overwhelming sense that, that alcohol was the center of, of what happened. And I don't say that because my, my buddy is not. It's not like he's, from what I knew, an alcoholic. I mean, he probably drinks casually like many of you, right? It, so for me to think that, I'm like, oh. And that night, he texts me, and he says, the reason, yeah, the reason for my failure was the effects of drinking. And he said, it, he said it's led to 10 years of problems. I mean, I had no idea. Ten years? See, the decisions that you're making today, they might not impact you today or tomorrow, but they'll impact you, good or bad. I'll guarantee you, I'll guarantee you, ten years ago, five years ago, three years ago, as he was maybe having a glass of wine or a beer or whatever it was, it isn't like he was saying, gosh, I'm going to get to a point where I'm going to cheat on my wife. I guarantee it's the subtleness of the enemy. And I told, and I wrote this down. I said, he would do anything to go back. He, I, you should have heard it. He would do anything to go back and rewind and undo what he did. Anything. And I think of our church. I'll talk to the guys. I think of pornography and how it ravishes our families and our lives and our marriages. And to say that Many of the men here are looking at porn. That's a, that's a fact, not because you've told me, but because I know the statistics, and so do you. Let me ask you a question. If we keep going in that direction, maybe it's under wraps. Your wife doesn't know. Your family doesn't know. But let me, let's play it forward. What happens? When is looking not enough? And pretty soon you're going to start looking up old flames on social media, and then word is it? I guarantee you, do, you never set out my buddy never set out to where he was. And even as I say that, I talked about Celebrate Recovery. Next week, we start a 12-step study in Celebrate Recovery. Small groups, 12 guys, 12 girls. I'm excited because the women, that group is about packed out because they know they have hurts, habits, and hang-ups they need to heal from. They know they have a past like we do and, and so many people do, and they know that they have struggles that they want to desperately get over. And it's about full. Now, if you're a woman, if you're a woman and you haven't signed up yet, Sign up today and we'll see if we can get you in. But it's about full for the women. Celebrate recovery next week. The guys, I look at that list and it kind of just ticks me off. I'm like, we're trying to get 12 guys to sign up to change their life. And I think there's five. Church of 300. So either the guys got it all figured out or we got some pride issues or some denial issues. And I know option A, having, having it figured out isn't 
right, right? And all God's women said, amen, right? We, we don't have it figured out. And I'm like, how can I help the guys? What can I do? I'll beg them. Oh, it's a big commitment. Yes. You want, you want, a, you want a big revelation? You want a big breakthrough? You got to put in something. You get out what you put in. Oh, it's 10 to 12 months. Yep. And in the span of 70 years, that ain't much. And given the fact you can save your marriage, save your relationship, save your family, save your kids, guide you to your God-given purpose, I think it might be worth it. Do you want to live like you lived last year? Or the year before? Do you want something new? I want something new for us, for me. And I'm not, I'm just passionate because I know in my heart, I, got, I can't just preach it, I got to practice it. Two weeks ago, you know how this message got birthed? It started two weeks ago. Jody, my wife, and Ava are in Sioux Falls, and Jake and I are hanging out having a, a guy's day on a Saturday, and it was awesome. And we're hanging out, we're having a good time. It got to be Saturday night, and we, we were like, all right, we're going to watch a movie together, then we're going to play some games. So we pop in a movie, and we're watching it, and my phone's going off, you know, because Saturday night, Sunday, big day for a pastor. And so I'm, I'm texting somebody, and Jake's like, Dad, movie. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 it's cool. Jake, let me send this. It's important. So I send it real quick. You know, turn it, and five minutes later, I'm like, oh, let me see what's going on here. So I grab it, and pretty soon I'm sucked into something. Jake's like, Dad, movie. I'm like, oh, yeah, Jake, one sec, one sec, one sec. I got, you know, important stuff here. You know, if the world's going to stop rotating if I don't do this. So let me send that, send that. And pretty soon, I, it doesn't buzz, but pretty soon I pick it back up. I'm like, oh, I better check and see what's going on here or there. And Jake's like, Dad! And I set it down. And we finish the movie. And we get to a game. We get to, a, after, the, after the movie, we play a friendly game of Uno. But there's nothing friendly about it, man. It's, the gloves are off, I'm telling you. When we play Uno, there are no, there's no family, there's no friends. It's just, get it on. So we're playing Uno. Of course, I got to have that phone right there because, my gosh, I'm the pastor. Something more, I'm going to... So we're playing Uno on the phone, buzzes. I open it, look at it. And as soon as I open it, look at it, I look at Jake, he didn't say a word. He'd already said it three or four times. And I open it and I look at Jake and he's just looking at me. And I shut it. And in the moment, it's like God said, Play it forward. What will your son say about you or your family say about you? Well, you were the pastor that answered somebody within 10 minutes. Good job. Or you were the dad that was there in the moment, present, that really cared. I need your prayers just like you need mine. I knew what I had to stop. I'm still working on it. It's a big deal. You know why I say that so passionately? Because no one else can be his daddy and no one else can be Jody's husband. See, somebody else can lead this church. Now, I hope that doesn't happen for a long time, but this ain't my church, it's God's. And, and, and let you, I hope you take that to heart as you work so hard in your business, in your career, in your hobbies, in your entrepreneurship. Those are all awesome things. But nobody else, nobody, that's what a good mentor told me. He said, Monty, somebody else can lead that church. Nobody else can lead your family. Nobody. Don't you neglect that. What do you need to stop? So many people, you know what really inflated me this week? I'll tell you, I, uh, I'm going long here. I'm sorry, I'll be done here soon. I promise. Um, gosh. I get to Life Group and 
We talked about starting, and multiple people in the life group told me how they started reading the Word of God. For a pastor, you know what that does to me? I love hearing that. Oh my gosh, you heard the Word and then you did something. And they're talking about reading and listening to the Word of God. And uh, it hit me so hard because this week, you know what, I was, I'm reading through Kings, you know that if you were here last week. So I'm reading through 2 Kings, and I get to a point where I just, it blew me away. I've read through the Bible multiple times. Don't remember reading this. I did, but you know how you forget stuff. That's why it's new all the time. And I read, and, and it's in 2 Kings, Josiah was one of the few good kings. So Josiah, I mean, Israel and Judah are split now, just dysfunctional, messed up, just like we live in today. And, and what, here's what happened. The Word of God was gone. Like, somebody found the Word of God. And by this, what they're talking about, because this is Old Testament, so they're probably talking about the Pentateuch or the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. And it's been gone for years, so the kings don't even, they, the kings don't want it around. They want to live their own life and do their own things. So they probably discarded it or buried it or threw it away. Well, someone found the Word of God. They run to, they show it to Josiah. They're like, Josiah, look, God's Word. Josiah reads it. He's like, oh my gosh, we're doing everything wrong. Rips his clothes, because that's what they did back then. It's like, he's like, you guys. And he reads it to them. And he's like, listen to this. We're doing it all wrong. We're jacked up. And I, and I listened to what, what he said. What, what blew me away is the second Kings 23. What blew me away is Josiah looked around and he said, oh my gosh, it wasn't what he said we needed to do. It's what he said they needed to stop. I'll just give you a few verses since we're going a little bit long. So listen to this. This is just verse after verse. Second Kings 23, Josiah says, remove from the Lord's temple all the articles that were used to worship Baal, Asher, and other false gods because we need to stop. Worshiping false idols. Verse 5. He did away with the pagan priests and, and, and the sacrifices they were offering to the false gods. So what's he saying? We need to stop following bad influences. Verse 7. He tore down the living quarters of the male and female prostitutes that were inside the temple. In other words, stop acting on sinful desires. Verse 10. Then the king Josiah defiled the altar of Tapeth in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. So no one could use it to sacrifice a son or a daughter to Molech, the false god. In other words, stop doing what you know is wrong. Stop hurting your family. Stop hurting your friends. Stop hurting yourselves. Stop hurting your God. Don't you see? Something has to stop before something new can start. Do you want something new? That's my question. Question. You want something new? This is your marching orders. One thing. It, it blew me away. But I'll give you the last verse that really blew me away. 13, real quick. The king also desecrated pagan shrines east of Jerusalem. Now he's going outside. To the south of the Mount of Corruption. And I read that. I'm like, Mount of Corruption? I never heard of that. So I had to do some research. I'm like, Mount of Corruption? Well, you know what the Mount of Corruption was? It's the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is actually, like, that's where Jesus went a lot to pray. The Garden of Gethsemane, it's in, it's in the Mount of Olives. I'm like, wow. I didn't know they referred to it as the Mount of Corruption, but I thought about it. Jesus restores things, doesn't he? Jesus makes things new, doesn't he? So how he can take such a defiled, disgusting, sinful, they're sacrificing their children. Jesus goes there to pray to his Father. Wow. Jesus can change everything same garden where Jesus prayed. You know he was arrested there. 
It's nuts because he gets arrested. And Peter, while Peter pulls out a sword and starts wielding around, chops off a dude's ear. One of the guy's ears is trying to arrest a, a Jesus. Went totally reservoir dogs on him. I mean, just chopped his ear right off. And, 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 and Jesus basically says, Peter, stop. Stop. You need to stop. This has to happen. I need to get arrested. Peter, you got to stop. I need to go. I, they need to beat me. They need to whip me. They need to throw the cross on me now. It's time. Stop. I need to walk up a hill. It's not the Mount of Olives I'm going to walk up. It's a mount called Calvary. That's what Jesus did the next day. He walked up Calvary to the top. Gets beat so bad, unrecognizable. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, by the way. Because of our dysfunction and our mess up, and us saying yes to a lot of the wrong things, just like they were doing back with King Josiah, we're not a lot different. But Jesus restores and makes things new. So Jesus goes up a hill, gets crucified to a cross to die for you and I. Oh my gosh, the greatest news in the world. You're about to hear it. He dies. Doesn't sound like good news, does it? But Jesus had to die. It's the ultimate sacrifice for you and I so we could live. This is the beauty of Jesus Christ. This was God's plan once he knew that we were going to sin, which we did, and we do. I wrote it down. I said, Jesus, stop breathing. Say stop. Jesus stopped breathing. But what did I say? Something has to stop before something new can start. So Jesus Christ on a cross stops breathing. In fact, he stopped breathing for three days. But on the third day, I said on the third day, see, something has to die before something new can come to life. And on that third day, Jesus Christ was alive. And the same power that resurrected your king can bring you back to life. He can help you stop. He can make you new. And he can set you free. Shout if you believe it. Clap if you believe it. Get loud if you believe it. The disciples never wanted Jesus to leave the garden. They, Peter never wanted him to leave. Jesus said, stop. I need to leave. See, you're holding on to something. You're holding on to something that you want to keep doing. Believe it with all my heart. Here's what Jesus says to you. You let go of what you're holding on to, and I'll give you something greater. You want Jesus alive, Peter. I know you do. That's why you chopped his ear off. But what if I'm just not alive for you, but I'm alive for it? you and you and you and you the power of Jesus Christ this is what I believe God wants you to know today number one he he wants you to stop something you don't need to pick two things or three things one one thing that you will stop that you know is not leading you to where God wants you to go secondly the gospel of Jesus Christ that he would die on a cross and rise from the dead three days later I need someone in this place to truly own it for yourself. Your stop, that repent is stop. That's part of the gospel, that you repent and turn away and you start living a new life. For somebody in here, you're going to give your life to Christ. You're going to surrender everything, everything to him. You're going to fall at the cross and you're going to say, I don't want my life anymore, God. You have it. I'm jacking it up. I don't need it. Take it from me. And Jesus will do it. He'll set you free and he'll make you new. My prayer is that you don't leave here until that is a done deal. 
we want to pray with you and for you I want to pray for you now and, I, and if you need prayer I've already talked to one person who you know you need it you know who you are we have a prayer team that'll come up after the song we've got a prayer room right over there you have a God that loves you with all of his heart went to a cross for you so that you might live for him stop Father I thank you so much for your word and your truth the spirit of the Lord is in this place God so many people are so busy frantically running around filling their days with a to-do list filling their days with more 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 when I truly believe you sit and you look and you think please stop it's less 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 it, it, you need less of us and more of you that's what we need more of father is you in us and through us God may we rest and sit before you today and know that you've gone before us you figured it out we don't have to be in all the activities we don't have to be doing what everybody else is doing we're called I believe to say no to most things that are offered to us so we can say yes to the best things God you are the very best thing your son Jesus Christ I pray with everything in me that that somebody many will say yes to you I pray with everything in me that many will be writing down one thing that they will stop that they know it might even be a good thing it probably is God but why in the heck would we fill our schedules with good things when you have nothing but great things for us God have your way in your church do what only you can do never stop preaching your name never stop telling about your son Jesus we'll never stop doing it God you're so good we love you so much we declare in your name the best is truly yet to come in Jesus name I pray and we all say amen